name is Devin Blankenbiller, and welcome to the Going Deeper Podcast, where we dig deep into the bedrock of God's Word so that we can stand in these shaky times that we live in. And uh, this is a weekly podcast that we do. If this encourages you, we encourage you to share it, like it, pass it on to somebody who needs to hear it. And uh, today, I'm thankful to have Pastor Scott Drumheller with us. And uh, Scott is our youth pastor here at Abundant Life and uh, has a passion for helping uh, teens and youth walk out their God-given destiny. And um, so, so thankful to have you here, Scott. And uh, the title of today's podcast is called Standing in the Face of Insults. Standing in the Face of Insults. And we've all experienced sometimes when we've been insulted and mocked. Scott, how about you? Have you experienced that sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, There's plenty of times where in this world today that we have to stand firm on the Word of God. And it's it's a difficult thing to do because uh, one of the experiences I had was when I was a child in elementary school, uh, there, was a, there was a young man who, who claimed to be a friend of mine, and he encouraged me to bring my Bible to school. Now, back then, uh, Bibles weren't banned necessarily, but they were it was discouraged from bringing because it would open you up to a a lot of mocking and a lot of insults and things like that. And so as this uh, young man, you know, encouraged me to bring mine and he was going to bring his and I, I don't know if I felt right about it, but I was willing to do it. And so the night before I talked to my father about it and I believe it was the Holy Spirit filled my dad and gave him, um, the, the wisdom for me not to and I know that sounds weird because we're talking about standing firm on it but the next day when I arrived um, he had a group of people ready to really start making fun of me and coming at me for uh, bringing my Bible and so I'm glad that I didn't in that instance because one I was too young to really stand in the face of insults um, because I was too immature in my faith, and I mean, I was probably like only eight years old, yeah. to be honest with you, so I was probably just too young to begin with, but one of the things that I really took from that is that as I grew up, I wanted to be in a place in my faith and a relationship with God where I could stand on the Word and stand and be willing to counteract these insults and be willing to stand up for the Word of God, but one of the things that amazes me is that even as a 30-year-old adult, in times like this where I can get, you know, on Facebook a comment here or a comment there about my faith, it takes me back to when I was eight years old in elementary school. Those those things don't just go away. You know, they, they stay with us. And so sometimes it, it's easy to go back. And I know the youth deal with this uh, every day, especially in the digital age with social media and things where everybody has an opinion and everybody wants to share their opinion, yeah. whether they should or not. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's just easy access. And so uh, that's one of the things we want to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have tons of stories as well, but um, it, we, we go back to sometimes our childhood being mocked when we are insulted today and it, it can really hurt. And today, as we just kind of go deeper into John chapter 7, Uh, I just want to read here the end part of John chapter 7 from 43 to 52. So we're going to be verse 43 to 52. And again, as you might remember, Jesus is in Jerusalem during one of the feasts. There's lots of division. Uh, A lot of people are talking about Jesus. The Pharisees are getting even more upset about Jesus. And it says, So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. And when the temple guards returned without having arrested him, 
the leading priests and the Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him? And the, the, the officials themselves said, we've never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. And the Pharisees mocked them, saying, have you been led astray too? Is there a single one of you or a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. So here we go. The Pharisees are highly mocking these officials. They're highly mocking the people who are in the crowd who are starting to believe in him. They're calling him, they're fools, ignorant, right? And then Nicodemus speaks up. He's one of the Pharisees. He says, the leader who met with Jesus earlier in John 3 spoke up and says, is it illegal? Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? Simple question, he asked. And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Now, now, just to give you a little background on this, this comment, are you from Galilee too? Listen, um, all the religious scholars lived in Jerusalem at that time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the well um, uh, established people lived in Gal- I mean, in Jerusalem. The Galileans were the fishermen, the farmers. And so when somebody was called a Galilean, it was a mocking term, especially to somebody who is elite or well-studied. It was basically saying, are you an idiot? Are you a Galilean? That was the context of what these people were saying. They were putting down Nicodemus. And again, Nicodemus met with Jesus in John 3. Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus when he said, whoever believes in me, you know, has eternal life, John 3, 16. And so Nicodemus was just asking a simple question. Hey, shouldn't we give this person a hearing first? And sometimes it's the littlest steps of faith that we do for Jesus, and it brings out the worst in people. And that's what it did in these Pharisees. And, uh, and then all of a sudden when we get mocked, it brings up all these feelings. Scott, what are some of the feelings that you, that you experience when you've been mocked? I mean, everything you said is absolutely true. And it's, it's one of those things, the, the first one that always comes to my mind is hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always hurt, you know, whether or not it's, it's that I'm hurt uh, just by the person's words or I'm hurt. Sometimes my soul just hurts for that person, you know. Now when I see people come at me for my faith and stuff, I don't see it as necessarily their anger with me. I see it as their anger with their own lives and with the situations they may be involved in. Because, like, especially when there's, like, little things that I do, whether it's, you know, not holding the door for somebody at Wawa, and, and then they, they lose it. You know, you're just the person they lost their entire day on. Yeah. You know, there's so many emotions that they're going through, it can't possibly be that little thing right, I exactly. did. And so there's so many uh, emotions that come along with it. I feel hurt. It causes me to feel angry sometimes, yeah. that anger that yeah. rises up in me. Uh I, I hate feeling that way. Um, the other things are the insecurity that comes along with it. Is mm-hmm. you know you're you're constantly born into this world, wanting to be accepted and loved by it. But as Christians, the Bible tells us that we're not meant to be accepted by this world. That by our faith, you're going to stand out. You're yeah. going to be like Jesus, and he was never accepted and loved by everybody. Right. He was just hated and wanted to be like people wanted to kill him, and so. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes when this is the path we're choosing is to knowingly go through these emotions and to feel that insecurity um, to sometimes hate on ourselves where 
I get down and I start to internalize things. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you, you can tell when I get really upset because I just stop talking. I just, my dad calls it clamming up. I just go into my little shell. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and let the world go by. And it's not right of me to do that uh, because I'm not processing these emotions. I'm letting them overtake me. And that's never how we were meant to live. We were meant to walk through this with Jesus. And it's, it's, it's always difficult because there's that pressure. Mm-hmm. There's that pressure when people are mocking you. There's that pressure that you can feel come upon you. And it's, it's not easy to handle that pressure by yourself. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no. And, and that pressure, you know, sometimes quiets us. Like we, it's kind of fight or flight. We either get really angry and want to retaliate or we get quiet yep. and we pull back. And that's kind of what they're doing to Nicodemus. Like, Nicodemus, shut up. You know, like, you're just, what are you, Galilean too? Like, why are you sticking up for Jesus? And, and a lot of times when we are mocked uh, or insulted because of our faith in Christ, um, it, it quiets us and, and we need to be careful of that. So, listen, if we, if we love Jesus, uh, which I know many of you do, we are going to be mocked, we are going to be insulted, and we are going to have to stand in the face of those insults. Um, Jesus warned us. I, I know that in our country it doesn't happen every day. Most of our days we're not mocked for our faith, but there are countries around the world where they're being mocked every single day for the faith. And as our country's morals are eroding quickly, there's more uh, mocking that is coming our way. And so Jesus warns us in John 15 Uh, I just want to read 18 through 20. It says, If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. A slave is not greater than its master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And so this is just the natural um, response to living in a world that's not our own. And we will be mocked. So um, Scott and I are just going to share a couple things that we can do when we are mocked to still continue to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I love is that he said when. Because it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Uh, I've been a Christian for, you know, the better part of my life. And it continues to happen to this day. It's not if, it's when. So when these things arise, uh, one of the things... Uh, is to ignore the hate. You know, I love Jesus' example. I love trying to to pour over those red letters and the way that he walked because yeah. it, it shows me how I'm supposed to live. And one of the things that I love about Jesus that that so many of us today have gotten either lost or forgotten or just even got it twisted that that we have to explain ourselves to everyone. And it's just not true. Jesus rarely explained himself in detail and step-by-step to anyone. He would constantly answer questions with questions. And we see when he was arrested by the religious leaders, when he was put before King Herod, when he was going to Pontius Pilate, when he was going to uh, Caiaphas' house, um, they're constantly coming at him. And he's on trial for his life. He knows what's about to happen. And they're hurling insults. They're, they're hurling these accusations his way. And they're saying, defend yourself. And what does he do? He says nothing. He sits there silent before his accusers. And finally it gets to the point where they're like, will you say something? Right, yeah. And he finally says, 
Why? You've said it. You've said who I am. You know the truth, so why do I need to speak? And I love it. I love it because Jesus knew in that moment he could scream as loud as he wanted. He could have created Facebook and posted anything he wanted. He could have yelled till he was blue in the face. It was not going to change a thing because these people have obviously made up their minds and there was nothing he could say or do. So he took the insults. He ignored the hate but never forgot about the person. Because even though he didn't let those hateful comments and uh, the offensive things that they were doing hurt his being and change why he was going to do what he was going to do or how he was going to live his life. He didn't let that affect him. But at the same time, he never forgot the reason as to why he was doing what he was doing in the first place, which is for the very people who were hating him. He came to love and save those exact people. And that's what I love about Jesus is he shows us how we can walk in this world but not be the world, not partake as the world does, that actually we're called to live above it and love these people. And, yes, we have to deal with the hateful comments, but we don't have to let it change us. We don't have to let it dictate how we're going to live our lives. We need to live our lives like Jesus and ignore the hate. Exactly, exactly. Second thing we need to do is respond in love, right? I mean, and this is the hard part, right? When Jesus was on the cross, he, he was responding in love. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And, 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 and it's, it's not just a pure, just let, ignore those people. But if we have an opportunity, we should look at our accusers, our mockers, and say, how can we love them? Mm-hmm. Romans 12 gives us the guide for this. Romans twelve seventeen says, never pay back evil with more evil. But do things in such a way that everybody can see that you're more honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace. Dear friends, don't take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scripture says, I will revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. It says, instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, right? But it says... Let but conquer evil by doing good, and and I know this is difficult. Scott, have have you ever experienced this in your life? I it's funny. I, I I'm an open book. Most of you know. I love to use my life as examples, and this verse got me through some really difficult times. My very first job, uh, I was a dishwasher working in a restaurant, and uh, my boss was a lady who I was not fond of, that nobody really was fond of. You know, everybody knows there's people who are mean, but when you dig down deep, you can find good in them. Uh, the deeper I dug, the more evil I found. Um, and she just hated me for some reason. I don't know if it was my belief or, or what it was, but she absolutely hated me, and the way she treated me was just awful. And so in the beginning, I would let that anger rise up. I'd let that hate in. And then after reading these verses and and letting the Lord really speak to me, it changed how I decided I was going to to treat her. I call it the boss effect. And what I did is I started loving this woman regardless of how she treated me. I don't care what she said or how angry and how much of a spectacle she made of me in this restaurant and in front of the co-workers or anything. I was going to love this woman. When it came Christmas time, I got her Christmas gifts, even though I knew there was nothing in return. I got her birthday cards, and I wrote nice messages, and I I would tell her I loved her, and I just tried to love her with the love of God. 
and it got to the point where, like this verse says, it was like heaping burning coals of shame on their head. She got to the point where she would be so angry with me because I wasn't fighting back. She wanted a fight. She wanted an argument. She wanted a spectacle. And then it got to the point where uh, some of her family members who worked with us were, were coming at her saying, you need to stop this because he's not fighting back. Like, you're being so mean to him, and he's yeah. just being nice to you. Yeah. When in honesty, I was just trying to do what the verse said, and here the Lord took this opportunity to show other people and to get help. And now it got to the point where she stopped coming after me. She would pick on other people because she could get rises out of them. And so what happened is by, by following the words of God and by, by loving people, ignoring the hate and not letting it change how I was going to live my life, it, it, it got me out of a a fight before I even threw a punch. And that's what I love about Jesus is he, he never fought with people you know, people and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were always trying to trick him into a fight. Yeah. And he just loved them and never hurled insults back, but somehow diffused right. that, that yeah. anger and fight like yeah. only God can. Yeah. And that's, that's my experience is only God can do that. Yeah, when, when we respond in love, when you're saying that, Scott, when we res- it brings to mind that when we respond in love, we still have control of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, if we're in an abusive situation where someone's physically hurting us, we need to get out of that situation. But when we respond in love, we still have the ability and we're still in control of our own actions. Hey, I can still choose to love you even though you're saying mean things to me or you're, you're not a nice person to me or you're attacking my face. But faith, I can still love you. So how do we uh, ignore the hate and respond in love? Uh, third thing we want to say is we, we need to increase the pressure from within. Many of you guys know that this balloon is flat because the pressure from outside of the balloon is greater than the pressure from the inside of the balloon, right? I'm not trying to do a science lesson or bring back memories to any of us, right? But as soon as I blow it up, I'm increasing the pressure, right, from within, and that inward pressure is greater than the pressure from the outside. Um, we need to increase that pressure from within. When Jesus said in John 15, listen, they will hate you because they hated me, He then goes on to say in John 15, um, but when the advocate comes and the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you strength. And he starts telling about the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is the the pressure from within. We have outside pressure, right? Just like this balloon, it's, it's pressing this balloon in. But when the inside pressure fills us, like a balloon, right? It's that Holy Spirit giving us the strength to ignore the hate, and to respond in love, you know, because these things, you might read that passage in Romans uh, chapter 12 and say, there's no way I can do that, Devin. How can I, you know, uh, ignore all the evil? How can I repay people with love? You know, it's because of the pressure from within, and that pressure is the Holy Spirit. And, And lastly, we rejoice, right? When we face the pressures and the insults and the mocking, I want to encourage you to rejoice, you know, because Jesus says that we should rejoice. Jesus said that um, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie even about you and say all sort of things that are evil uh, against you because you are my followers. Be happy, be very glad because great is your reward in heaven. So we can rejoice even in the midst of these hard times. And the, the best thing is when 
when you have that pressure from within, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you know, it also pushes back. Yeah. It, it's that it's that conflict where you don't necessarily have to just. We we all too often think of sometimes as our lives as as meek or you know that we're the weaklings and. No, sometimes as Jesus showed us and as the as the disciples showed us that not hurling insults back, not giving in to our flesh right. is harder and you have to be stronger to do that. And somewhere along the line our world has twisted it to when you don't respond, when you respond in love mm-hmm. and when you love people, that's weaker. It's not weakness, it's strength. Right. And we rejoice in that like the disciples have because the disciples always boggled my mind growing up. I ne- my favorite story is uh, Paul and Silas. How can these men of God who are supposed to be chosen and that, that God yeah. was going to use yeah. in tremendous ways and like yeah. they were his boys yeah. and they landed themselves in prison in an awful thing, chained together, chained to these walls in the pitch black and they're in there singing. Rejoicing, I it just blows my mind that later on you see them get in get beat for the gospel. That because they were preaching the name, because they were standing on their faith, they were beaten and they left singing and rejoicing. Rejoicing. It literally says rejoicing to the Lord to be counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. And I just never understood how these men could have that kind of joy in their heart when things are obviously going horribly, horribly wrong around them. And then it dawned on me one day, the Lord showed it to me that these men were 100% in. That they didn't withhold anything from God. Mm. When Because we, we can take Paul as an example. When he was first brought into the story, when we see Paul first show up on the scene, yeah. He wasn't a good guy. He was a horrible, horrible man. And then God gets a hold of his heart, and Paul goes, you know what? I want to give everything to you. Take me and change me from the inside out. I give you everything. I withhold nothing from you. Then we see him turn into Paul and the man that we know and love who's singing these songs and, and taking beatings for Jesus instead of actually killing people like he used to. And when he's 100% in, that's when this becomes possible to find joy in the midst of sorrow, to find happiness in the worst of times. You know, we see, we see Judas as the man who, who took 30 pieces of silver and his worldly desires over Jesus. And he never had joy. Yeah. He never called Jesus, uh, he used to call him rabbi as in teacher. He never called him Lord mm-hmm. because he never saw him in that aspect. And what ends up happening to Judas, he gets depressed and he gets overcome with sorrow because of his decisions and his yeah. things. And then you see Peter who, like Judas, made a mistake and, and, and faltered. Yeah. But Peter repents of his sin and says, Lord, take it all. I want you to have everything. And he becomes, and Jesus restores him. And he becomes a man of God again. And he becomes one of my favorite disciples. And it just shows you that whatever you've gone through, whatever insults have been hurled your way, if you've stumbled, okay, what happened, happened. What you do from this moment forward is going to change your life. Are you willing to give Jesus 100% of your heart? Because if you can give him 100% now, you can find this joy. You can find this rejoicing in the midst of people hurling insults at you. And it can only be done through the Holy Spirit leading you to what Jesus did that day that we're going to be talking about come Easter.
Yeah, that's right. And listen, if you're if you're being mocked or insulted because of faith, uh, please know uh, you're doing something right. So just to remind you, so what do we do? We ignore the hate. We respond to love. We feel the inside pressure. Let that inside pressure be greater than the outside and rejoice. So let's close in prayer. God, thank you again for this time that we had to discuss your word. Father, I just pray for anybody, Lord, who's listening right now, who's hurting from being mocked, Lord. Those feelings are real. I just pray that you would encourage them. And Lord, give us strength. Lord, not only to face some of the insults and the mocking and the persecution that we experience, but also the, the persecution and the mocking that, that is in the future, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. We hope that this podcast encourages you and we ask that you have a blessed day.